The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Welcome to episode 86 of the Book of Mormon podcast. Kevin and Shelby Stanfield here. And today we are having a conversation about chapter 23, maybe get into 24 of the Book of Mosiah. How's it going, Shelby? It's going good. I'm ready to... I'm ready to discuss these things. You're ready to dive in? Yes, as Kevin always says, let's dive in. So last episode, recap. We left <clears throat> the the record of Zenith of his people, of his descendants as they returned to Zarahemla. So long, the long-awaited return of the people who left Zarahemla so long ago. But there's there's some people who were left behind. Uh, I guess not necessarily left behind, but they chose to separate themselves from Limhi or from at the time King Noah and and all his people. Mm-hmm. And so Alma which we discussed back in chapter 18, how he took his people out into the wilderness. They taught them, or he taught them, Abinadi's words. They all entered into a covenant with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, the last time, <clears throat> excuse me, the last time we read anything about him, he and his people, they were notified of the armies of King Noah coming to find them in the wilderness. So they fled further into the wilderness. And then when King Noah's armies couldn't find them and they returned back to the land of Nephi, um, there was kind of a, an insurrection. Gideon, he fought against the king, remember? And then all this commotion happened. The Lamanites came in, they drove them out of the land. They they drove them like a dumb donkey. Remember? <laughs> yes. So, but today we're again kind of going back in time to that breakoff point, uh, kind of a scattering point in in the the record of this people. So, chapter twenty three begins now. Alma, having been warned of the Lord that the armies of King Noah would come upon them and having made it known to his people. Therefore they gathered together their flocks and took of their grain and departed into the wilderness before the armies of King Noah. And immediately you can begin to compare and contrast Alma's leadership with that of King Limhi's, you know, in the, in the last chapter or so Mm -hmm. i pointed out that king king limhi 
he seemed maybe that he was a little bit out of touch in his leadership. He didn't know things that were about to happen. Um, specifically, you know, with the Lamanite daughters being abducted. Of course, like last episode, Shelby and I kind of butted heads on like, I felt I kept saying Limhi was a bum and she was giving Limhi the benefit of the doubt. I think we came to an agreement that <laughs> Limhi w- was an honorable man. He was a good guy, but he had some deficiencies, you know, as uh, weaknesses, as we all do. Um, but Alma here, he's being warned of the Lord. He's spiritually in tune to receive that revelation on the on the behalf of his people. And this is the last thing I'm going to say before I kind of let Shelby do some talking here. Um, at, before the chapter heading, it says an account of Alma and his people of the Lord or and the people of the Lord who were driven into the wilderness by the king or by the people of King Noah, excuse me. And really all throughout the next two chapters, maybe even more, you can, you can compare and contrast the people of Limhi and the, the people of Alma to great extent. You know, you can look at Alma's leadership versus Limhi's leadership. You can look at the people you know, did they cry to the Lord early or late? How did that affect them, their perspective? We're going to talk about all those things, I think. But really, you can boil it down to there's one people who chose to follow the covenant path. And then the other people chose a different path. They got to the same place in the end. Spoiler alert. But their experience was very different. So, Shelby, what's where? Where do what do you want to talk about first off? Hmm. I want to talk about like verses like later on. You know, like they flee, mm-hmm. right? Like we know they go into because he was warned. Um, and they find a place and immediately they start, um, tilling the ground Mm. and building buildings and they were industrious. And so, um, I mean, that's where I want to go. Is that cool? Go for it. So it's cool because the Lord's people, the Lord's people flee. Okay, like they flee. I said this before, but we have a big history, uh, even in just the Book of Mormon, but you can see it in the establishment of the church. We flee when we're not safe. It makes sense. You know, you don't want to, you want to be safe. So they flee, but we still work when we get to where we are safe, right? Because we got to, we have to live. Um, And something that the people we're telling Alma was that they wanted him to be their king. They wanted leadership. And, um, but Alma says, basically he says no. (laughs) And this is his reasoning. Um, He says, behold, it is not verse seven. FYI. Behold, it is not expedient that we should have a king. 
For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not esteem one flesh above another, or one man shall not think himself above another. Therefore I say unto you, it is not expedient that ye should have a king. But then he says, nevertheless, if it were possible that you could always have just men to be your kings, it would be well for you to have a king. Because I, I read verse 7 and I was like, what? There's a lot of leaders and quote unquote kings, right? Like, And then I thought about my brain always goes to the psychology of people and why people want a leader, like a king, you know. Um, anyway, so I looked into that a little bit. But my first question after reading 7 was, why were the people so desirous to have a king? You know, why why that? And if they were, is that still similar to today? Like, do we still desire a king and a leadership? And I think we do. But I think verse 8 is super key. Because the reason Alma is saying you can't have a king right now is because there's no, there's no continually just men lined up to be your leaders that it won't become corrupt like King Noah, right? So I just thought that was really, really interesting to think about. And I and I did read something about people wanting, you know, they want someone to look to, they want a leader to look to, they want to know. The thing is, we prosper as a people and society when there are rules in place and there are boundaries in place. Why do you think Heavenly Father has so much commandments that he gives us because he knows that these rules and these um, things that we are to do within the bounds of certain things will make us happy. Could you imagine like having no traffic laws and no consequences for things? I mean, it just creates chaos. And so a king in this sense creates an order for the people, right? And, um, it was just interesting to think about because we still have that order today, but we do have just men in the church who do lead and they don't lead in unrighteousness, you know? Right. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting. Seven to eight. I don't know if you have any thoughts, but then he, he reminds the people why like, in verse nine, but remember the iniquity of King Noah and his priest. And he says, even I was caught in a snare. So he's like, I, I'm just now, but I wasn't, you know? So anyway. Yeah. You know, the, for going all the way back to Nephi, they've had Kings. And so it was, it's probably a very natural, very like it's part of their culture mm-hmm. to have a king, uh, that whole system of government. And, you know, on top of that, you're right. People do want uh, someone to look to, a leader. Um, Alma, for sure, had firsthand experience with when, when the king or, you know, monarchy can go wrong. He was in the upper ranks of a monarchy that that went wrong. So he wants to protect people from that. But he, while he tells them, or while he, I don't know if he, he doesn't command it necessarily, but he, he definitely exhorts them to not 
make a king among them, right? Mm-hmm. He says, don't, don't do that. But he also teaches them correct principles uh, regarding how, you know, kings might be wicked in the future. We don't want to get into that bad situation that we got ourselves into before. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that um, he's he's just conditioning the people to think outside the box. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't get stuck in your traditions. That's yeah. how I feel that, you know, that was about. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I put all the same notes as you. Um, I did want to mention in verse nine, he talks about being caught in a snare. Uh, he did many things that were abominable in the sight of the Lord which caused him sore repentance. And I just wrote there in my margins, we should not forget our sins. It was, it was useful that Alma remembered his sins. You know, we know that the Lord will forget our sins when we confess and forsake them, but it's not expedient that we forget our sins in this mortal life. We remember them in as much as it brings about change. Yeah, it's only useful. Yeah. Right, right. Not the bad change. Good Mm -hmm. change. So anyway, yeah. Um, Sorry, my chair was squeaky. Well, where do we go from here? We We have a lot of verses to cover. Well, and I'll just kind of jump through and then you can, you can, also mention anything we can talk about certain things in verse 11 he says in this i do not glory for i am unworthy to glorify myself um you know just talking about his experience and his perspective he says you have been oppressed by king noah and have been in bondage to him and his priests and you've been you've been brought into iniquity by them. Therefore, you were bound with the bands of iniquity. And now in verse 13, he kind of puts that into the perspective of now that you've been delivered out, I don't, I I want you to stay free from the iniquity. So he says, even so, I desire that you should stand fast in this liberty wherewith you have been made free. And that you trust no man to be a king over you. And also trust no one to be your teacher nor your minister, except you be a man of God, walking his ways and keeping his commandments. Mm-hmm. Thus did Alma teach his people that every man should love his neighbor as himself, that there should be no contention among them. And now Alma was their high priest, he being the founder of their church. So there's a couple things that I wanted to point out there, and, and I think you may have some You'll definitely have some thoughts about this. <laughs> so I love that he brings up liberty. The liberty wherewith they've been made free. Um, it's the Lord that delivered them. Right? It's It's the spirit that touched their hearts, that convinced them that Abinadi's words were true. This is 
gave them that contrite uh, spirit, the broken heart to repent of their sins, enter into that covenant with the Lord. And then all of that made them spiritually free. And now they have a chance to be temporally free as well, because they're out from underneath King Noah's thumb. Mm -hmm. Right. And even the Lamanites too, for the, for the moment. And then he starts to teach them again, things to look for in a leader, in a teacher, a minister, all of this, because Alma is a prophet. He knows what's going to happen at the end of this chapter in the future. Does he have a crystal clear vision? We don't know. He could, but what he's doing here is he's prophesying to the people, teaching them and giving them instruction, just like our, our prophets and apostles do today, getting us ready for future events so that we can stand fast and remain true to the faith despite the commotion of the world. He even talks about contention. And that's where I thought of sister or doctor, sister Wendy Nelson, mm-hmm. right? We, Shelby and I, well, Shelby, you sent me a, a video earlier this week mm-hmm. of sister Nelson, president Nelson's wife mm-hmm. speaking at the, was it university of Utah? Graduation commencement. Yeah. And she talked about how we need to eliminate contention from our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that? Like, just so we can have it in the record and as it relates to this and the Book of Mormon people. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I don't think my thoughts are so much on contention. They were more on the, the love part. Well, yeah, because like, she she talked about love and that love is making room for another person, like another thing in your life. Um, and so the the contention, I think that she refers to or having no contention. Um, what is it called? Emotional. Emotional violence. Thank you. I don't know why I always think of something else, but basically emotional violence is when you're not. Uh, help me out. I here. guess I, I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. So I just don't see how it applies. I don't have my thoughts together. Pregnancy brain. So, I see. I can see how it will apply, but I've completely forgotten the topic, to be honest with you. And maybe it doesn't apply. It just it came to my mind because. I just remember you told me you were going to look at contention differently after listening to that. Hmm. But I didn't take away so much contention to it. I took away more of um, learning how to love other people and to not get people What's the word? When someone has differing opinions or views, hmm. our object should not be to make them change their mind. Okay. It should be to discuss, right, cordially, but it doesn't mean they have to change their opinion on the matter. All right. And maybe uh, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with this verse of scripture or or this chapter, but it's true when, you know, maybe the reason that it came to my mind is because the spirit wants 
those listening to go and watch that video, listen to her talk about it. And uh, it's only 12 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a short one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I will. I definitely will look at contention a little bit differently in the Book of Mormon because of the, there is so much contention throughout the Book of Mormon. And, you know, any contention like that with regard to people, their the discord that is promoted between people. And it just leads them to want other people to change. You know, I mean, Alma um, in this situation, you know, he's, he's preparing his people for the tribulations to um, get through them and to rely on Jesus Christ Mm-hmm. as opposed to their own flesh, which we can also contrast with the people of Limhi who uh, were were constantly, they were trying to fight against the Lamanites. They were trying to free themselves that way. Meanwhile, the, the people of Alma, the Lord's people, mm-hmm. they were just focused on listening to a prophet, listening to the spirit and and being delivered that way. So, no, we don't have to spend any more time on that. It's in verse 18 says, therefore, they did watch over their people, uh, those people that were given authority when Alma, he uh, he consecrated all their priests and their teachers and none were consecrated except they were just men. All those just men, they did watch over the people and did nourish them with things pertaining to righteousness you and as always you might hear screaming children screaming children it's summertime outside. it's summertime in our complex we are right in the courtyard area it's a beautiful view but when children are playing outside you know children are playing outside yeah. and we're right by the pool so um just a side note for the record yeah Anyway, so he consecrates the priest uh, or whatever these, he's the high priest, but teachers um, to rule over the people and they do good things, basically. Okay. (laughs) They're just men. And um, they call the land Helam. And they, it says in 20, multiply, they, that they did multiply and prosper exceedingly in the land of Helam. And they built a city, which they called the city of Helam. So they build. And verse 20 goes back to the age-old promise that, that Lehi made back in the day where he said, inasmuch as ye are obedient and follow the commandments of the Lord, you'll be blessed and prosper in the land. And that's wherever you are. It doesn't specifically mean in the uh, on the American continent, right, where they're going or where they are now. And it doesn't just mean... Um, where you are today, wherever we are as saints and the people of the Lord, if we're obedient, we'll be blessed mm-hmm. and we'll prosper. It also reminded me to mention back where it talked about the people being industrious. And the same thing when Nephi and his people fled early on when they arrived in the new world. They were also industrious. And when Zenith 
and his people established in the land of Nephi, they were industrious. It's a hallmark of the Lord's people that they work hard and they build up where they live as for years. That's, yeah. that's a little reference to the Doctrine and Covenants that I've been studying along with Come, Follow Me. So, But the, here's, here's something that's kind of interesting. So the people are prospering in the land. They're apparently being obedient unto the Lord. Otherwise, they wouldn't be prospering, um, theoretically. <laughs> and in verse 21, it says, Nevertheless, the Lord seeth fit to chasten his people, yea, he trieth their patience and their faith. Shelly, why does he do that? Because he loves us. Do you want to expound on that at all? Well, Heavenly Father, if you think about the plan of salvation, Heavenly Father wants us to grow, okay? He wants us to come back to him. And the only way we can grow is through having experiences and trials. So he, even though we may be obedient and commandment keeping, that doesn't mean that we're going to have it easy. I mean, we still have to grow even though we're doing the right things. And he does it because he loves us because he wants us to come back to him. So the best way to overcome, be humble and be patient in your trials is to do what he says in 22, which is trust in him. Um, or what does it say? Whosoever putteth his trust in him, the same shall be lifted up at the last day. Yea, and thus it was with this people. So when you say, why does, what was your original question? Why does he do that? Or Yeah, why would he do that? It's because he wants us to get back to him. Or that's one reason. I'm sure there's multiple reasons. But that, that's the main one in my eyes. I agree with that 100%. It's backed up with a lot of scripture. Mm -hmm. In the Doctrine and Covenants, section 136, verse 33, it says, My people must be tried in all things, that they may be prepared to receive the glory that I have for them, even the glory of Zion. And he that will not bear chastisement is not worthy of my kingdom. And my takeaway from why the Lord chastises the people of Alma is that they had it pretty good up to this point, right? They, it's true. Like, yes, they're out in the wilderness, but they not only were they at the Waters of Mormon, which this was is, a, Can I just pause for a record, for the record keeping um, yeah. purpose of posterity? Pause. Kevin the other day was like, man... I've just had it so good. You know, I haven't had very many trials in my life. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll have them in the latter half of my life because he's turning 30 this month. Well, this is why I think I told Kevin, said, listen, you have trials. You just don't look at them as trials. <laughs> and this is exactly why you said these people don't have it that bad. My mind goes to holy cow. Yes, they did. They were under King Noah's rules, wickedness. They had to like go out into the woods and it wasn't easy getting out there to go hear Alma. And then they had to flee and leave everything like they have it pretty hard. But because of your perspective, they um, you don't see it that way. 
Okay. And so that's, that's a very good quality that you have, but this is my point as to why you're like, do I, I hope I do. And I'm like, yes, you do exhibit a right now. You just did it. Very cool. So I just wanted to insert that. Listen, they're here. They're, (laughs) they're out of the reach of King Noah. They don't know what's going on with King Noah right now. They don't know that he's getting overthrown. But and they found a place in Helam which has pure water. Uh, th- this is a good spot for them. Well, yeah, and and it it's I do agree with you. I mean, they they do have it uh, good right now. You know, they they're prospering. They did they kept the commandments. So yes, when you are doing the things you should be, you still find joy, right? Even though it may be hard for a minute. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I do agree with you to an extent. I just need to point that out. <laughs> so, and I think where I was going with that was if I could. Yeah, of course. Go back to your Go thought. back. I said, these people, they've had it pretty good up to this point. Mm-hmm. They need to show the Lord that they're willing to keep the covenant that they've made with him and not, oh, yeah. not be fair weather covenant keepers. Right. Like only when it's good. Correct. Yeah. This is kind of cool, though. So, like, verses 21 through 23 and and 24, maybe. But anyway, like, it's interesting to think about who's talking here. And it might be Mormon as he's abridging the record. Mm-hmm. In verse 23, it says, For behold, I will show unto you that they were brought into bondage, talking about the people of Alma, and none could deliver them but the Lord their God. Yea, even the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. And it came to pass that he did deliver them. So whoever's writing here, I believe it's Mormon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing a little spoiler alert too. He does deliver them. He did show forth his mighty power unto them and great were their rejoicings. And then he goes on to explain how mm-hmm. that, how, that happened. how it happened. So, but... Oh. The, the only thing I wanted to talk about was in verse 23 when it says, for behold, I will show unto you. It's very much like what uh, what Nephi said in the very first at the bottom of the very first chapter in first Nephi. He said, I will show unto you the tender mercies that, of the Lord. Yeah. Are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith. To make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. That statement in First Nephi at the end is a what kind of statement? It sets the tone for the Book of Mormon. Right. Like I will show unto you because he knows it's true. Mm-hmm. And then we see it. That's a good that's a great connection. And then we see it here of him saying, well, I'm gonna show you something through a story. Yeah. And the tender mercies were over the chosen people. For sure. AKA Alma and his people right now. So let's kind of summarize what happens next. Okay. So they're prospering in the land of Helam. And there was a, an army of the Lamanites was in the borders of their land. Right now, correct me because I'm not as good at telling stories as you are. So like, tell me if I missed something. Um, so they're out on the borders of the land and some of how I understand it is some of the people of Alma see the Lamanites. And so they, they flee from them. Right. And they gather back together in the city, like the center of the city is how I understand it because they saw the Lamanites and Alma 
uh, once they are all gathered back in Helam, you know, they're not in the borders of the land. They're like in the inner part. Um, they're, they're frightened, but Alma says, well, I'm just going to read it because it's better. It's verse 27. But Alma went forth and stood among them and exhorted them that they should not be frightened, but that they should remember the Lord, their God, and he would deliver them. So instead of freaking out, right? Like, oh no, the Lamanites are here. What do we do? Right? Like, what if, do we need to prepare for war? Like, oh no, they didn't let the fear or he's exhorting them to not let fear of the Lamanites come through. Um, but that instead of that, let's look to our God and how he can deliver us. And what's really cool is in the next chapter, sorry, not chapter, in the next verse, it says, therefore they hushed their fears and began to cry unto the Lord that he would soften the hearts of the Lamanites, that they would spare them and their wives and their children. Super cool. So it makes me think about, to relate it to our own lives, what are the things that we're fearing that we should be crying to God about instead? Because the the pattern I see here is you could take anything that you see. For the example, let's say you fear a big test you have coming up. That's your fear. Instead of freaking out, you go and you cry unto God. Like, I am really nervous about this test. Like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm studying. I'm doing everything I can. Please help me. Please help me to remember. Please help me to have good study habits, whatever it is. Because that's essentially what Alma and his people did with help soften the hearts of the Leonites. And then the response is that their, their fears, <laughs> they hush their fears and begin to cry into the Lord, right? So they let the fear kind of just subside and let the Lord take that on. That's what he's there for. That's why he toned for us. As you were talking, I thought there's no way that they could know that the Lamanites' hearts were being softened Mm -hmm. until Alma goes with his brethren and deliver themselves into their hands. That that was a huge act of faith because they they cry into the Lord, Mm -hmm. please soften their hearts. Don't let, you know, please have them spare us. And then they go and they surrender. Mm-hmm. And and they take, they do take the land, but they don't, um, their hearts are no, they, softened. Yeah, they don't kill they them. They don't kill them. They don't, there's no contention. And so the, the cool tie-in here is that these Lamanites were actually the armies which had been sent to follow after King Limhi. Right. When they fled through the back way and the back wall. When they escaped. Right. When they were all drunk. So they come and they they come upon them and they find them. And so um, it also says that in verse 31, they had found those priests of King Noah. And so... Just to be sure, they, 29, they surrender and take possession of the land of Helam. Mm -hmm. And those same Lamanites who originally were going after King Limhi's people, who found Alma's people, 
they also found the priest of King Noah, correct? Yeah, now that I'm reading it and, and now that you're saying it, maybe it's uh, maybe the Lamanites that found Alma mm-hmm. and his people in Helam were not the same Lamanites that found the priests of King Noah. I'm not sure. I'd have to reread verses 29 and verse 23. Um, but I'm starting to think that maybe they were two different sets of Lamanites that found them. But we, we do know that the Lamanites who had pursued King Limhi and been lost in the wilderness mm-hmm. after they couldn't, they couldn't pursue them anymore, they did find the priests of King Noah in a place which they called Amulon. Mm-hmm. And the Lamanites, uh, they came upon them. They found that they were in possession of this land, that they had began to establish it until the ground. The leader of those priests was named Amulon. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. <laughs> and Amulon, he pled with the Lamanites. They sent forth their wives, who were the daughters of the Lamanites, to negotiate some kind of surrender, uh, similar to, to what they, you know, what the people of Nephi did. Um, they sent their fair daughters mm-hmm. to negotiate a surrender as well. So that, that has to be some sort of cultural of cultural significance. Um, in verse 20 or, uh, excuse me, 35, this is interesting that Amulon and his brethren, who are the priests of King Noah, they joined with the Lamanites. So it wasn't just a surrender. Now we're your servants like Limhi and his people, but it oh, was, we got an answer to our question. Okay. 36 and Amulon and his brethren did join the Lamanites. Like you were saying, okay. and they were traveling in the wilderness in the search of this land of Nephi, where they discovered the land of Helam, which was possessed by Alma and his brethren. So the Lamanites that they saw in the borders of the land were the Lamanites who had gone after King Limhi. But in the process, before they got to Alma, they found Amulon, and then they traveled all together and then found uh, Alma and his people right. in Helam. And Alma... He actually shows them the way back to the land of Nephi on condition that they will spare them. Yeah, give them their lives and their liberty. I do want to point something out. You know how we didn't really know an answer to a question? Right. It's good to ask the question and then keep reading. Oh, for sure. most of the time it will get answered. I mean. Earlier today in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. A lady um, had asked, you know, hey, this this verse seems kind of contradictory to because later on something else happens. And so the question was raised, and I guarantee that everybody in that room who mm-hmm. was paying attention started paying more attention because mm-hmm. they want to find the answer right. to that. So even if you have a question that seems like it could be Uh, contentious. Mm -hmm. Hey, I see something wrong with this. Make it known. Right. And that way everyone can read a little bit more earnestly with intent to discover the truth. And they will. That's really cool. That's a cool thing about the scriptures. It's just a cool uh, study thing. 
that yeah. I've learned. A, a study strategy. It just happened, and I just thought I would point it out. Oh yeah, uh, a good a good study strategy or a learning strategy is asking inspired questions. And an inspired question can be this is a little teaching moment, I guess, for our posterity. <laughs> I don't know, but like literally, if Kevin and I are reading scriptures together, you know, especially if I'm listening to him. I'm very more prone to ask a question like right away. Like, Oh, what is a, what did you read this morning? What chapter were we in? 24. Yeah. Um, I think I forgot. I don't know. There was something in there and I just paused and I was like, well, what's the language or something? Yeah. We're going to get to that. Yeah. And we'll get there next week. But like that whole thing, just ask, ask the question. It deepens your gospel knowledge study. Yeah. That's all. So anyway, back to what you were saying, Kevin. Um, he he says he'll lead them. Alma says he'll lead them to the land of Nephi. If makes a little conditional promise here that they'll be spared their lives and have freedom or liberty. But in verse 37, uh, it came to pass that the the Lamanites would not keep their promise promise, but they set guards round about the land of Helam over Alma and his brethren. And so a lot of, they kept like half their promise, right? They're not killing them. They're not, they are sparing their lives, but they're not giving them their Liberty. Yeah. They did grant unto their, them, their lives, but not necessarily, not necessarily their Liberty. I'm having trouble talking here. Um, and, and it's not that the Lamanites, there, there had to have been some secret combinations going on between the priests of King Noah and Amulon and the Lamanites, because as it turns out, we find out that the king of the Lamanites had granted unto Amulon that he should be king or a king and a ruler over his people who were in the land of Helam. What? That's, that's not his people. That's Alma's people. So what's interesting about this is that Mormon, we know, is abridging this right now. So when he's abridging this record, we know that there's things that he's leaving in and he's leaving out, right? Like for a greater purpose. So he really shortens down. Like he doesn't talk about the travel from Helam to the land of Nephi. Like he doesn't tell that story. So we don't know what happened in those travels. Like you said, we don't know what... um secret combinations were going on as that was happening and deals that were being made. Um, but here Alma is in, in faith that I, I hope they keep up to their word, you know, um, they don't, <laughs> but it's just interesting because Mormon, my point is Mormon didn't see fit that we needed all that. He just summarized it in one, two, three verses, right? They don't need that. It's not necessary but let's put it in there so they know what happened for the sake of the story to continue. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, so I do. So it's an interesting perspective to think about like, all right, I think it's something you can definitely receive revelation about if you really want to know and ask Heavenly Father. Um, but it's just cool to think about Mormon's abridgment. Yeah, my my impression comes from contextual stuff mm -hmm. and also just the – my gut feeling it's not it's not backed up by 
anything super uh, strong or uh, factual. You don't have scriptures to back it up. Well, I mean, I, the scripture kind of helps me uh, make certain assumptions, but yeah, you're not going to get everything because we know we talked about it way back in in the beginning of the podcast that only what one one hundredth of all that was written was, put, was in. put into the Book of Mormon record. And then there's also a whole sealed portion of the Book of Mormon that was not translated. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. So this chapter ends with Amulon being appointed a king and a ruler over Alma and his people. And they, it's it's basically Limhi 2.0. That's what I wrote in the <laughs> in my margins, because it says that he should have no power to do anything contrary to the will of the king of the Lamanites. So mm. he may not be a tributary king where they're just over there grinding resources for the Lamanites, but it is hey, you can do your thing here in Helam. You're the boss, but you're also subject to me. This is this would be the king of the Lamanites talking. Yeah. So next week, we're going to be discussing chapter 24. And that's when, well, I'm going to read the chapter heading just to kind of preview what happens. <laughs> Amulon persecutes Alma and his people. They are to be put to death. If they pray, the Lord makes their burdens seem light and he delivers them from bondage and they return to Zarahemla. No spoiler there. We talked about it all throughout this episode (laughs) that the people of Alma will, they will be delivered. Their burdens will be, but for a short moment. And that's all because of their Faith. faith. Which is once again, why I think Kevin doesn't look at his trials as, trials (laughs) i think you do know there's trials i just mean they're lighter to you so well i appreciate you helping me see that that's a that's a strength of mine that i only know about because you've helped me do that (laughs) so anyway uh until next week y'all read the scriptures Say your prayers, do those things you're supposed to do. And if you have anything to add to the conversation, give us a holler, message us on Facebook, uh, shoot us a text message, give us a call. We'll see y'all next week. Bye y'all.